Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell. Met a ghost of a king on the road. Here we are, another episode of Stories Are Soul Food, <laughs> the premier podcast featuring... They are, and here we are. Us two, plus special guest today. Us two. That's what we're known as. <laughs> uh, with special guest today, Gwen Newell, who is oh. an author of the upcoming book, Forbidden Child. Gwen, welcome, welcome to the Welcome to the show. Thank you for having uh, me. What is Gwen short for? Uh, it's, it's just Gwen. It's actually short for anything that you Gwyneth. want to make it. Gwendolyn, Gwynisphere, Gwenners, Gwenster, Gwensleydale. I've only used Gwendolyn so far, but... Uh, hmm. Everybody has a different one. So Luke Jankovic, your brother-in-law, it's Gwenster. Gwenster. Yeah. Well, here's the question. Okay. How did you choose not to go with initials on your author name? Gwenzapan. <laughs> Gwenzapan. <laughs> I don't like that one very No, I much. didn't think you would. That's why- <laughs> I don't I, know what it that's means. That's why I but... can't. It's like Marzipan, but Gwen. <laughs> well, you just kind of went with the cheese. <laughs> it's exactly like that. <laughs> the cheese <laughs> analogy. Um, I went with Gwen because it, to me, initials looked masculine. Oh, interesting. Uh, just G.K. Chesterton, C.S. Lewis, J.R. Tolkien, wrong. Andy they don't, Wilson. But they do look dead. They, they do. They, I don't know. It just wasn't the look that I wanted. And I really Good. liked, um, especially in today's world where you can't tell who's who, who's a boy, who's a girl, who was a boy, who was a girl. I was just like, why don't I just, I just like Why not being take a stand? Up front. It wasn't like I was trying to. You I just thought I was like a side Didn't side have the benefit. nerve to put the full Gwenzapan on there. <laughs> But well, that we're actually we're actually yes, Quinn's band. We're actually asking it's a question from one of our listeners of uh, our initials key to success because this guy has no middle name, so he was worried. Well, if you ask J.K. Rowling, they are because she didn't have a middle name, and the uh, the publishers like we have to have a middle name. She goes K. That's it. Period. Oh, There's okay. no middle nice. name to J.K. Go. Rowling. And of course, the reason why she was going to the initials was why. I don't know. To actually. mask her gender. So to that your is... first. Oh, really? Yeah, so I was actually on something wanted there. She wanted boys to read it. And boys uh, are uniquely so prejudicial. Marketing, so. the marketing for uh, the, the Harry Potter ones, they said that if women will read either, and yeah, yeah, for the, sure. men, the men tend to read. Well, the thing is, she had a boy on her front cover. So she also had to have dead initials to, if in order to get boys yeah. to read it. I'm not going to win because I have a girl on my cover. Girl. So also, I, it's, well, I might as well just say, lean into the girl. It's also about a child. So it's about a baby. So it's, there's it's, a child, mm -hmm. there's a girl on the cover, and just, your name is Gwen. Just so, to get this out, Forbidden Child, we are now streaming this video so anyone can watch it. Not streaming, that's the wrong word. Posting the video. You don't have to be on Canon Plus in order to see it. Well, Gwen Newell's new book, Forbidden Child, with the baby on the front, and she's standing on a ship. We should get into with that. The baby. Yeah. Okay. We should get into that in a minute. But uh, I, th I thought we'd have a fun discussion of dystopia because I remembered that even Nate has written some dystopia. I have not. Yes, you have. Haven't. A whole chapter in <laughs> Outlaws of Time 2 is dystopian Seattle. It's one chapter. <laughs> <laughs> I think whenever you talk about what's happening now in the 2020s, it is dystopian. I know, so, this is true. <laughs> check. You've true. written dystopia. Yeah. 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 In fact, I think you even wrote the destruction of an entire city. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. See, I win. I seldom win, but here, <laughs> here I go. <laughs> but it wasn't a novel. It was just a chapter. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, jumping into to Gwen's book here, um, I wanted to run through some of the ingredients of dystopia because it actually also crossed my mind that it feels like we talk about dystopia quite a bit with America right now. Uh, it, some of the quick, the quick hallmarks of dystopia, and maybe this is hallmarks of all fiction. So, but, but dystopia, <laughs> we'll at see least how it we'll is. find out. Let's find out. Ready? Here they Try go. Try the shoe on, Brian. <laughs> First step: establish the reality, the new reality. Second step: false utopia. Mm -hmm. Third step: the event. Fourth step, totalitarian, the totalitarian. You could also call it dictator, but. Uh, and then fifth step, resistance, and sixth step, result. And that kind of is. No. Not. So if it, I'm pleasantly nodding. I'm like, yeah. yeah <laughs> Welcome like to book. the podcast, Gwen. <laughs> you two fighting. Gwen, Gwen so, made the mistake of agreeing. I like, I'm going I'm to start gesturing <laughs> with my hand in front of the lens over here. Um, the, I think about things like the road. Yeah. Like where's where's the tyrant? Where's the oppression? Yeah, you know you can have dystopia without 
it being political or tyrannical. But aren't all the classic ones? I'm talking The Giver, Maze Runner, Hunger Games. Oh gosh, City you of just Ember. put Maze Runner in the list of classic ones. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> the ones that we think of. Unfortunately, oh. <laughs> I too was gonna. I was just gonna let that slide, Brian. I was being she's, nice. She's being very pleasant. <laughs> Our podcast doesn't let things I would, slide. I would say. Let me throw Gwen, divergent. Let's in just there. say first that Gwen came on the show today with all her New Year's resolutions intact. Yeah. She's here being nice. She's work obviously. You're just not fighting. You're not being combative. Well, I am the guest. Yeah, you know I can throw down if I have to. The real, the real classic stuff, like the real classic, is usually like post apoc, like true post apocalyptic, Mm -hmm. as opposed to present tyrannical. So I think I think a dystopia could absolutely be. Mm. um, Well, I mean. I'm, arguing, I'm going to argue for your for your side now. Like there, I, gu- I guess that's the differentiation between post-apocalyptic and dystopia. It's just um, that. So if you have a tribal society that's you know a bunch of cannibals in the woods, post-apocalypse is that a dystopian piece of dystopian fiction? Mm. Is it? I, I mean, I saw Lord of the Flies thrown on a list of dystopian fiction, which I thought was kind of ridiculous, but it does kind of fit the rule, I guess, of establishing a new reality. Mm -hmm. We're stuck on an island. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like the nature, even the nature of the construct of the title and the genre is, uh, you know, the, the dysfunction of utopia. So we're taking utopia and then we're actually perverting it, subverting it Mm -hmm. with dystopia. So I I think you have a point. I think you have a valid point. I'm not going to quite withdraw everything I just said, (laughs) because I think that if you described a post-apocalyptic piece of fiction as dystopian nobody would really miss a beat mm, you know yeah. there's a guy mm-hmm. and there's man and boy with a shopping cart on the road right just we all get the picture traveling through nuclear winter you know with yeah. cannibals and all sorts of stuff all over the place so i i understand why mm-hmm. that makes sense to use the list that you just did the, the descriptors right but that requires the cl- extra classification I guess with, when we're going with when we're going with the road, there is 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 his point that society the typical point that society has become the totalitarian, mm-hmm. or uh, is Cormac doing a little bit of of bait and switch that um, with the genre here? He's not really interested in telling about a he doesn't want that overt of a story of dad versus the tyrant guy. He's going to have multiple different problems well, but, along the way. Yeah, but I mean, think about I am legend. And yeah, you know, Planet of the Apes. There's, there are a bunch of classic like catastrophic collapse, like post collapse stories mm-hmm. that are very dystopian in tone. And right. society is dystopian. It's more like it never presents itself as utopian. It presents itself honestly as hell, mm-hmm. and okay, gotcha. and is hell. So mm-hmm. the question is whether dystopian fiction requires the presentation of itself as utopian. Ah, uh, so. Or at least some of the people within the society believing it to be correct. That's what, yeah, like, that's what I'm wondering. Like, be- is that if we want to set that up as a rule for this genre? Because this meeting is authoritative. <laughs> I think and- I think we do have to have a group of people saying this is the way that we live. So no. I'm thinking in the road, even that the cannibals have that function. But that's the Last of Us. That's yeah, you I know, guess every people. But then it's little enclaves. Yeah. So it's enclaves inside of the apocalypse where there's you know super weird cultic cannibalism or whatever. Right. Um, Children of Men is another one, obviously, and and Blade Runner or Electric, the Electric Sheep one, the original one. Yeah. Um, I mean, even Never Let Me Go, I guess, if we're going on kind of weird apocalyptic yeah. stuff, has has some some elements of the dystopia. Um, but there's, I mean, The Matrix, everything else. There's so there's so many, like. The aliens definitely think that the the whole system with the matrix is fantastic. People <laughs> people inside of okay, it, yeah. People inside of it, you know, hate it or don't hate it. But yeah, I'm just. This seems really to narrow what we mean by dystopian, and I think broad broadly understood in the culture, dystopian means much more. Mm. Is most sci-fi dystopian then? I guess is a lot that, of it. I guess yeah. probably. It's almost all prophetic against the tyranny of science or like the that moment when Icarus falls or the tower uh, is struck with a curse. Mm. There's this there's always this push towards the the consequences of hubris and man trying to be god. But in in this case with Forbidden Child, we have one ship. The whole thing's taking place. Mm-hmm. The whole story's taking place on one ship and it is actually kind of that post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. 
So it is it is post-apocalyptic dystopian, meaning we're by either definition, we make it. Because, okay. because we're in it, we're in a society, we're in a system that's extremely tyrannical and and North Korean yeah. on a boat. And then we're in a broadly unexplored, you know, catastrophic collapse. Mm-hmm. So gotcha. So what do you, Gwen, author of uh, dystopian think uh, about this narrow distinction. the question about this about I this actually would you call this a post-apocalyptic or dystopian? do you think your work is dystopian it almost seems to me and i could be wrong about this but like it almost seems like all the dystopians require it that them to be post-apocalyptic in some way there has to have been some sort of collapse and we usually enter after it. Okay, let me ask seems. you uh, this about our current dystopia in which we live. Yeah. Where was the apocalypse? The moment. Oh, you'd probably have to go back to like the theological there liberalism was, there was, of no, the there 19th wasn't century. There was, was, there was like, <laughs> like oozing rot, right? Yeah, there's oozing rot. So there rot. doesn't have to be cataclysm, but there usually is because it's easier in plots. Yes. You know, in terms of attention yeah, span. In a timeline. It was yeah, 500 years after the great malaise Right. For us, it'd just be, yeah, a ton of ennui. <laughs> just like, a ton of, just so like, much. Oh, my word. So much ennui to the gills. <laughs> so I guess timeline or a time machine, right, could be a good example of another one where there hasn't, you don't necessarily need a collapse. We've just gone way forward in the future and are going to play with it there. Assuming that it's on the wrong road and everything down that road is bad. <laughs> right. I guess so. Which it apparently looks like it's going to be. Well, if you use- or pick Silo <laughs> since that's big. We've been talking about yeah. that one. Yeah, there. that's yeah. Is is Silo dystopian? Yeah, maybe our distinction here. I because I, I don't. I, I still actually think don't you think guys need to boil it down to a nugget definition. I don't think that one is dystopian. Versus Wait, hold a on. ten you don't minute think it's rambling. No, you just think it's. You think there is that hard distinction between the two: post-apocalyptic. And it's dystopian. post-apocalyptic. I don't think it's dystopian because you don't think they're trying to make a lie that this is a great. Future, I think it's a, it's it a head fake. It's a so it's a head fake where you have a character who believes themselves to live in a dystopia, but they actually live in an arc. And there's lots of weird. There's there's definitely corruption in the judicial branch in the silo story. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a ton of corruption there, and what she discovers is the truth, which is it's post apocalyptic. <laughs> you know, it's like it's. Oh, so okay. it that they're I started almost, out thinking you were way off base, and now unfortunately, I'm starting to think you might. Have. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't have malice in the in the actual civilization the structure, right? There's no there's no malice in the social in the actual social structure, unlike mm-hmm. Gwen's book, where there's just malice. Yeah, it was easy to pour the malice in. Yeah. I only got halfway through wool before getting tired of watching people die from the first POV, which was. It blew my mind the first time I read it, and then she killed another character the exact oh, same as, way. As you're he, reading, sorry, not she. As you're and, yeah, and along. so I was like, I probably Nate, you're probably going to tell me I should finish the book, just like Why? you've told. I don't know because you tell me to finish every other book. I check across the room. I should Gwen, be- <laughs> you should you should finish that one. Just just because just I never it. have, and I'm, I'm you want to wish that I want to hear me. more. <laughs> no, I was basically Brian told me to read it for world building inspiration. Okay. That I just was like, check, I got more inspired on world building. <laughs> whenever, whenever one's making a true confession, it should always be into the microphone. So Definitely. She's oh, no, I already, I think I put this on Goodreads too. in the like- microphone across from her editor that she did not do what her editor asked her to do. Which <laughs> you is know, like, Brian, you know he would never when say, go read it. He turns would have out said, you could go read this. You're a That's real author after all. You're, <laughs> yes. You ignore your editor. Um, no, I really did take, I think, all of Brian's advice. I just didn't read no. all of it. Gwen, you don't have to say this. Don't I, let him force you into saying this. I want, I want to, <laughs> I want, um, I do want to hear your pitch for the book. So, and I know we've, we've talked before. I have, taught you in an mfa program yeah uh, yeah we should talk about that too so gwen has done a lot of writing study over the years way back to your early days yeah and most recently in an mfa program correct uh of which i was the director um and it and you've always been very rule-based strange yeah very very rule-based, write a rule-based which book. is why <laughs> it was not at all uh, to quote the King James, I was astonished that <laughs> I was astonished that she would write a book about fighting the rule-based impulses. So 
It feels sure. it feels to me like this is an outworking of your own demons. And also, uh, well, there's there's a lot here for you to pitch. So we, <laughs> yeah, were, <there> is. <laughs> we were joking, we were joking about how there's a child on the front and there's, you know, a girl and your name is Gwen. Uh, but I pitched the book, especially okay. if you're talking to yeah. a 13-year-old boy in an elevator. Okay, well, that's kind of easy because I the first From time I told two this to story. <laughs> wait, wait, in an elevator? Okay, the, I just, I had my nephews when they, they were probably eight and 10 at the time. So a little bit younger than 13, yeah. but they're 14 and 15 now. So the pitch that I told them that made their eyes light up is that there's this um, prison ship. And there's basically, wait, let me back up. A worldwide flood, everybody's on boats. And there's one American ship left and it's a prison ship, but nobody on the ship realizes it's a prison ship because it's like being born and raised in a North Korean uh, prison camp where you don't even know what normal life is like, even in North Korea. What, <laughs> you sorry? think it's Disneyland. Obviously. Yeah. You just think it's normal. You just think it's normal. And there's um, basically you have your Hitler youth of the ship, the kids who were raised and indoctrinated from day one to narc on everybody, including their parents, um, especially their parents worship the dear leader of the ship, do all these things. And you have, within that, you have um, this girl who is like the best of the best, the one who is so committed to the rules, wants to make, wants to make basically the godmother, the dear leader. She wants to make the favorite list. She wants to get to the top of the ship and prove, basically, picture Jojo wanting to meet Hitler. Just like he's just- Jojo Rabbit. Just <laughs> Jojo Rabbit everybody. really <laughs> wanting to get there. But mine's not quite as- Funny is Jojo this Rabbit. This character's I name say. is Gwen Zapan. <laughs> no, actually, what's the actual name of the character? Piper. 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 And yeah. I don't know. That name just seemed to stu- stick. It it's wasn't okay. like it's a good name I had for no this rhymes with reason Hyper. for it. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that, that so, could be the reason. So, so she, she wants is, to be number one citizen on the boat. She wants to be number one. So she's going to tattle on everybody. She's really good at it. She's observant. She's small, so she can sneak everywhere. She is. She's super committed. And she um, finds... On this population-controlled boat, she finds a baby that is born outside the permitted window, which is every 20 years, 100 couples are permitted to have one child each. So she's like, if she's 13, the next baby's not due for at least seven. There's supposed to be 100 of them. All the parents are supposed to be approved, all this stuff going on. And she finds the baby. And she realizes for the first time, is this a line that I actually can't cross? Like, what? Am, what is the, the best yeah. of the best Hitler youth? children going to do when they actually find um, not just somebody doing a bad job uh, sweeping the decks or um, not confess, not saying the prayer to the godmother correctly, you know, something that's kind of easy to be like, they wrote a letter and they shouldn't have written a letter at that time, little to stuff like that. But now she finds an actual human being and she's never seen anyone smaller than herself. Yes, the illegal and she has organism. To decide, the, yeah, she's been taught to call them illegal organisms unless they are basically baptized under the godmother's Unless they're goodwill. they're carrying their permits. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They don't have their papers. So then she's just, I, the, the, the way I leave the pitch is she has to decide to decide what to do. Is she going to turn it in or is what, what is, what is she going to do on a cruise ship with 8,000 other people and there's nowhere to run? Okay. And so even boys will just be like, so this is a, a really devoted cult member who's yeah. hitting that, that point of the, the lights turned on a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and then of course, story of rebellion and escape, and sort yep. of espionage. How many? How many spoilers are we allowed to talk about? On Everyone this dies. <laughs> that's that's the rule of thumb for all of our spoilers. It's actually Everybody the rule dies. of thumb for dystopia. I just added that as point number seven. <laughs> it was definitely what you told <laughs> me the first time I pitched you the book. Yeah. I was like halfway through the book, she gets off the ship and she has this on land run with the baby thing, and you're like, she stays on the ship the whole time because you need that. Yeah. pressure cooker and as soon as you said it i was like oh i know i've read books like that or seen movies where as soon as they we don't get need out of her the confined a backpack space, out of banana leaves no that'd be a totally different story that's <laughs> okay, like yeah. that's that's a survival shipwrecked, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. that's very different yeah. um and as soon as you said it you're like she stays on the ship she gets off the whole ship has to go down and i was like i love it so much <laughs> so that was just like, as soon as i knew but this we're is not we're not I'm saying steering. that that's what happens no i just that that's, just could because happen. as you Read know nate told book. me to do it but i <laughs> yeah. may not have well, you know you know that she didn't do what brian said and, um, yeah so yeah, that, that you still a, don't know how it ends guys so no. forbidden child i really wanted this to be called baby on board but I nobody, know you did. nobody went with me okay, on that okay just so you know, it was a nightmare trying on, to draw. Hold the cover right for here. Meg and Kobiak, who did the art. Board. 
she had a hard enough time as it is having the title Forbidden Child with an underage, you know, teenage girl holding a baby. It sounds like Scarlet Letter Part Two, like just that's what this is about. So she had Scarlet to, Z. especially when it was yep. called Baby on Board. She's like, I cannot have the girl <laughs> was it, stand with her hands is, was anywhere near her tummy. <laughs> it was like she can't at all look worried, stressed, no. angry. Hey, hey everybody! Like, she found the baby. She finds the baby. It's not her baby, except finders keepers. <laughs> she is actually for being such a terrible little child. She's actually very sheltered in terms of even where babies come from. Sure, like yeah. is she, you know, because they don't want people to As know that. Is our entire podcast audience could you explain please <laughs> no <laughs> the uh yeah so forbidden child is actually a fantastic title i think it's a great title Thank you. i really like the concept for the story um, uh, uh, yeah the and word. i think it will go i think it's gonna be a really fast read for people which is yeah. i think yeah, another, first... another big piece of what i think dystopian does yeah when it's working is that it's very speedy it's not something you take you don't a month linger. Reading. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a weekend, and you're kind of absorbed and, and literally really my first ARC reader texted me. I gave her the book midday Saturday, and she just texted and said, "I finished." She's an MFA student, so <laughs> she bright future for her reading everything really fast. <laughs> a bright reader, yeah. So it, I think it, it really cooks along, and the concept and the and the title are going to help it. I think the other part about uh, read it, boys. I re- yeah, I really liked how tight the story was. So it was Thank it you. was. It was so confined that it, it was I fun. Loved it's how it's a fun it was. palette, meaning that you only have a limited number of colors to draw with. Right. It meant that you were able to play with the very particular character dynamics without having to worry about, you know, an and entire. And honestly, universe. I did that out of my own limitations. At first, I was like, okay, if I don't this, admit that this. No, well, no, creativity that, comes. <laughs> creativity I did that because it was from... a conscious stylistic choice that I thought best served the whole situation. <laughs> Cannot be which included so my own proud to say that. <laughs> that it, be- it came about because I had this image. I was writing down novel ideas because I was in a novel class with you before yeah. the MFA program was even born. Yep. And I was like, you know, I could do this. I could do this. I like World War II. I like. I was just writing down everything I like, and I got this image of a girl with a baby in a snowy wood. And I was like, okay, I know instinctively, because you know, you feel like you're discovering the story, not making it up. And I felt like, I was like, she doesn't, she's the reluctant babysitter, but I don't know why. She's just selfish and she had to, run away from the house because bad guys were coming in. That's so boring. That sounds like Taken or, or, you know, some other 90 minute thriller. And I don't want that. Sounds nothing like Taken, but go ahead. Not Taken, but like (laughs) Hostage. That's the one I mean. Just where you're like, it's just like a 90 minute action flick. Anyway, so I was pursuing this and I was like, she has to somehow be on the run because babies are for some reason outlawed. And then I was like, well, what if there's extreme population control because resources are limited? And basically, I found myself inventing a ship with a worldwide flood because I could not imagine writing population control and the reasons for it nationwide. I don't know our politics well enough. I don't know how Congress works in a situation like that. Like, there's just your dad could write a satire about that. But I was like, put it, make it a boat. And then people, if they ask, would they really do this? And I go, yes, because I made up the boat. Like I just <laughs> declared that this is, you, know, yeah, you have no. to know you human also, psychology enough. You also read enough, way too much about North Korea. I was going to ask. Free books. That's not way too much. I was going to yes, ask. Yes, it is. <laughs> no, I was afraid of default. Way too much, meaning for normal human consumption. Your research, oh, far too much, you're but it's actually you're, very yeah, enlightening. You're, I was you're actually, researching a book, but. This is one of those funny things about working with Gwen is you realize that she does an insane amount of research for a fictional story. Like just, yeah. And every time we would discuss a point, she'd say, well, actually they did it this way in North Korea and this way in Stalin, Russia, and and in this way in, in the Third Reich. And I was like, whoa. Gwen clearly knows it's actually about this subject. One of the funnest parts. <laughs> I have to make myself like stop knowing everything. I know. I, I also and have, build the story. I also have to say occasionally, like, well, Gwen, assuming I didn't care about any of those spots, what is the best solution? Right. I have for to fight being like, right? here's all the you know research and readers are probably like, we don't we don't care. But no, I'm and, like, and, and again, I'm super I think excited about it. Writing classes often say that research all gets pulled out, and and so I think you just you'll you you won't feel the research forward aspect of it. Hopefully but not. It creates no, you won't. I already know you won't. Okay. But the giant, the 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 whole world behind it becomes all of one piece because. Well, and that that's the goal. It. Honestly, it's not just how much fun did I have reading about Hitler's inner circle, so that I could build one. You know, it's just hopefully the fruit is there and people taste that and they they can go read about that Hitler's hopefully inner circle if the they want. The fruit of Hitler's inner circle is there and people can taste. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what I meant. <laughs> uh, so th- what's, what's the release day? October 24th. Yeah, it's coming right up. October 24th. And you can get it with free shipping if you order before that date. And you can read it Correct. by a fire this fall. Cannonballbooks.com. Under, under a blanket, comfortably, you know. Turn on by happy a window, music. Looking outside at horrible weather, comfortable in our not too dystopian dystopia. There reading are, a much starker rendition of the human condition. Yeah. For those of you who, who have your own babies, uh, this one here, there's some very cold parts in this book that will make you enjoy not being outside. So, so that's <laughs> very, yeah. very true. The, uh, the first <laughs> ARC reader just- You want to feel it pretty heavily. You do. And I've, I've actually heard people say, because this was, can I say this on, to, on the podcast, Brian, that this is Nate never asked that question. Later, so <laughs> somewhat later than we had planned to launch it. It was like a, there was this oh. moving target, you know, just some mildly later, mildly later. Just a but, year you know, or so. Like, let's say, <laughs> let's just Two. assume at one point it was supposed to have been released, say, in January. I'm oh, actually yeah. very glad that it's not releasing in January because you wouldn't believe the number of people who've told me perfect time to release it. I just wanted to curl up in a blanket. You can tell these are women writing to me. And they're like, I wanted a wintry book. One hopes. Like this is, <laughs> no boys to have told me, just ready to curl up with a candle. Make some tea. And a and, yeah. <laughs> so I'm actually very grateful that we're releasing it right when people are thinking, actually Christmas, because we're always yeah. like, only 14 Fridays till Christmas. At least they are in my house. That's how we are. <laughs> no, you guys are crazy. Buy Again, it now. I, Buy I, one. I repeat, who counts Fridays till Christmas at, in October? The funny memes that go through my family text thread. That's who. <laughs> Usually accompanied this by a picture from This podcast has Elf. officially reached what it's actually about. <laughs> so we, I have yeah, succeeded. Yeah, <laughs> it's perfect. about Christmas. So you're one of those people counting down oh, to Christmas. It's, it's all about Christmas. Uh, do you listen to Christmas music while reading this book? Uh, not while reading, but while writing. What does what did you really? Uh, for certain scenes, <laughs> not not during the whole thing. No, 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 no. Sorry, there there are multiple <laughs> scenes where I'd be like, this one is like this song on repeat yeah, while I'm okay. building that mood. So like, there's a fa- fantastic Rudolph. Russian choral song that uh, Patrick Doyle wrote for the new Jack Ryan movie. It's called Faith of Our Fathers. Just if anybody's interested in reading something that sounds like Hunt for Red October, it's like this. Oh, I would listen to that during parts and then. Um, and then yeah. towards, I don't want to get too quick, much as away, we run, but run by, just talk about how horrible Jack Ryan is and just, it's horrible. Now move on. It, it was actually horrible. With the score, the, first the song, two, with the songs good. I loved Kenneth Branagh as the bad guy in his snowy Russian accent. I, sorry, I will watch it for that, but I won't watch you it You had for to get quite a ways else. through a lot of schlock to get there. That's okay. I'm fine no, with that. I'm nicer than you. It's not. <laughs> okay. My so, friends think I'm picky enough about my movies. <laughs> so this one, you could... I'm trying to think. What would you listen to? What would one listen to while equilibrium? This? Okay, Klaus Bedelt, who studied under Hans Zimmer, so he's got he's not as talented, but he's got that feel. Whoa, you heard it here. He's not as talented as Hans no, Zimmer. The first wow. Pirates of the Caribbean was amazing, but then Hans Zimmer took over for the other ones. Anyway, I'm just saying, like, it's not the most impressive score, but it does feel like the book. I think the feel of Equilibrium, the slow awakening of conscience in that sterile world so you need a really good candle to turn on that score and read this (laughs) Yeah, it depends on how much you want to immerse yourself in the mood if you're like fighting uh, a bad mood while writing it because it's just too oppressive then read it in a bubble bath then read it in a bubble bath or do what i did when i was reading 1984 for the first time 18 years ago which was turn on handles messiah like i had to have something that was extreme opposite of the dystopian well this reading. is fast enough i don't think you need to do anything quite as drastic as handles messiah i hope i hope not the first reader said when her family asked how is the book she goes fun dark and then they're like how wait how can it be both and i'm like i'm glad that it's not just like dark it was nighttime <laughs> hopefully yeah. it was fun and dark <laughs> and they're not allowed how are you fun. yeah as what are, what are you working on now i am working on a uh, basically my first fantasy novel after okay. realizing that i actually kind of liked fantasy. I didn't like the whole idea of fantasy because I feel like everyone, every girl is writing fantasy. You just, just didn't want to write a bunch did. more elves. I did not. Yeah. And then And then she I, did. She didn't until no, I she watched, did. I watched, I was not still on Christmas elves. is coming and she watched, and Christmas she is watched all Rings of Power. <laughs> she watched Rings of Power and was like, you know what the world needs more of? <laughs> These kinds of elves. I actually watched Dune and I know that is classically <laughs> sci-fi, but I think like when I saw how serious Fantasy, because it is fantasy still. It's like fantasy sci-fi. When I saw how serious no, they could the treat it. 
the fine, the fantasy future. Um, real life is fantasy. The, the future can be fantasy too. Right? I was going to future. say callback. Is it dystopian? Is Dune dystopian? No, I don't think so. Yes, it is. Okay, go ahead. Let's keep talking. Anyway, after watching Dune and saw that you didn't have to treat every fantasy story like yeah. Peter Jackson treated Lord of the Rings, where it's just nobody takes it seriously. The CGI looks like your typical oh, fantasy. Oh, hold on. All everybody takes it seriously. We've learned that. Everybody takes Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings seriously. They love it so much. <laughs> okay, the other guys in my office just over there take it so seriously. And I'm the uh, one, the one low the one holdout? saying. Okay. Anyway, that we're getting be, really derailed, but yeah. I'm working on a, my first fantasy book. Okay. It's a retelling of the Orpheus story because years ago I watched Moulin Rouge and got furious at how they followed the original story arc of, of Orpheus where he doesn't get out. He loses the bride. It's all terribly sad. And especially since all the Christians were like, it's a Christian movie because look, his name's Christian and he's out to save the bride. And I'm like, finish the story that's not a Christian that's not the Christ story at all because he doesn't he doesn't actually win the bride he stays in hell so ever since then I was like one day I'm going to rewrite the Orpheus myth where it's pretty blatantly a guy going into an underworld to save a family member and this time he makes it out which is also the silver chair by the way you just gave it away everybody should know that the Orpheus story retold (laughs) by the happy Gwen is now writing just one big spoiler (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I love, I love, I love, well, if people know the Orpheus story at all, or if they've even read The Silver Chair, which is a, ret- it's like a, inspired by the medieval version of, of Orpheus, because um, C.S. Lewis loved that. Like, if, if they even know that, I think that's a great pitch for the book, because they're like, oh, I like Silver Chair. I would, you know, read that set yeah. in a totally different setting, like a medieval, like an Elizabethan Finland slash Ooh. Hawaii. Was there ever an Elizabethan Finland? Because there, there ought, is there, now. There ought to have been. I, I don't know. It's the like, slash Hawaii is that, a little that extra. right there. I couldn't get. I was getting banana leaf backpack. Well, I, <laughs> okay, Brian, I, I admit, I haven't yet pitched this I was to you. Say, so you might have a few things well, to just say did now. about this my is a good. This is a warm up. <laughs> this is a warm up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, nice. I'm about, about two thirds through that. What were, I would say, if you can give me your top three lessons from having now written your debut novel because we should also get how how long ago did you first write the draft for this one i'm gonna take a sip of water real quick uh i'm trying to remember when i first saw it it's been, um, it's been i began i can give you the full yeah. timeline Octo- late october 2017 so we're coming like i bet the release day is knowing god's sense of humor it's probably to the day Six years since that first image popped Knowing into my mind. Knowing a sense of humor, it's probably off by one or two days. Probably, and <laughs> if like I knew, just, I'd and, be frustrated. And, and, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, it's almost, it's almost it's, perfect. He's like, this one's for Gwen's a fan. <laughs> yeah. Right here. Just okay. barely missed. So I wrote, I began it in a novel class in October of 2017. Yeah. Took a year to write it. Sent it to Nate because he promised to read it. Mm-hmm. And then it took long enough for him to read it that he's like, you should join the MFA program so that I'm forced to read it. Because he honestly, you didn't. Yeah honestly have time outside of homework true story true, true story. story so then i was like i will join the mfa program and 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 uh get you to read this book so then once you read it then it was like send it to brian i sent it to brian with a terrifying cover letter because i'd never written one before and brian was like hard pass and nate was like just ignore the cover letter and read the book itself because <laughs> it was i was told that my cover letter I'm was like me like dark and bossy or something and but i'm the like the cover letter me? was <laughs> I I only remember the impression of the cover letter. I don't remember so, any Please any don't remember anything so, about it I remember at all. The, I, think my this impression I tried so hard. Like, this is a really good lesson for people trying to pitch. Actually, I th- I think, yeah, cover letters think, are totally different than writing the novel I itself. I think actually what the heart of your book is, is this girl finding a baby and then trying to find a place to hide a baby on a prison ship, which is really fun. Like that's a yeah. fun pressure cooker yeah. idea. Yeah. What you really like about it when you went and I think you, I remember this now, I think you over pitched concentration camps, North Korea, Stalin. All my research, Brian, right, fall in right. love. And, and, it, was, and, it was bad. And then that was so strong. That flavor was so strong that I was like, wow, baby in North Korea. Imagine like being in Auschwitz if right. it was in North Korea. You're like, nobody needs <laughs> yeah, exactly. this story. And imagine like, you had a baby to take care of in there. I just was like, whoa, that sounds pretty dark. And uh, <laughs> Father of four at the time or whatever, like, no. <laughs> I was like, I don't think that's a children's book. But uh, then when, when it's reframed around, hey, what's the main character doing? How is she trying to get out of the ship and you know who are her friends she's got a great relationship with uncle barney another right. you know a secret service member on this boat and right. those kinds of things are all pretty fascinating and that there and then also the world of being stuck on a ship 
with all the rules and and the godmother that the that all comes together yeah. the cat and mouse chase that all works yep. nicely um but uh, yes i think you overpitched your pet which is what all authors do the pet but interest this is what i love yeah. about this <laughs> right <laughs> no she pitched hell on earth yeah and like yeah. Hey, i've got an idea for a novel how about hell on earth i am i am a very optimistic person and so i find it ironic that i'm always writing something that scares me when i read it then later in the cold light no, of day. that's you know? actually no that's, because I'm that's like, how wait, it should be this is i'm not that dark i'm post mill like why 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 am i freaking everybody out with my content i didn't mean to do that that's way violent Side note, you know it's not that freaky this the story is this a one pressure is cooker. Yeah. yeah yeah so i think that from that first pitch not only did the cover letter need to be thrown away uh but the book's changed quite a bit since then as well the book has developed through multiple mm -hmm. drafts how many drafts did you end up doing on this book? oh it depends on what you call it. like i feel like light edits for sure a lot but i would say that first one i would say probably three that i was going through and significantly like i think big picture I would stuff say those, like, like build the character build the a world a to z rebuilds that's three rewrites right so, okay just so you know really a, re a rewrite count. is not what i would call a draft so oh, okay so that would be like three rewrites. Those are obviously drafts. But if you're going back through and adding a character, you know, and okay. threading somebody through, and it's still sure. it's kind of like light work, but you're adding a thread and you're weaving it through. Right. That's a draft. Okay. You know, like there's there'd be like this character's draft. Right. Then there's some re whenever you're rearranging beats, it can be really light, but it's still like it's still a rewrite. It's then still I would say versioning. So you still yeah. end up with versions. I sometimes on the screenplay I call them half drafts. Or whatever. Yeah. But so I think half drafts, because you saved me from a wasted year by saying, cut your story in half, stay on the boat. This is what yeah. happened. So I knew I could. You're welcome. Thank everyone. you so much. Yeah. It's probably why I should pitch my Orpheus story to you <laughs> sooner. <laughs> but anyway, so I would say probably four rewrites. But um, because I because you gave me I the don't parameters. Know, Gwen, I think you did more than that. I think you're selling yourself short. Like I've seen. I'm thinking seven. I, I, it's seven at or eight. Okay. It's at you least that. To me, I'm not afraid of work. And no. so okay. I'm just and like, yay, back, I get to dive so back think, into think my back novel. back to 2017. Yeah. From 2017 till now. Right. You definitely, yeah, you definitely are not afraid of work and you have done the work. No, it's crazy. Um, the the amount, other, Gwen is also one of those people that you can pitch a big idea or a small idea. And once she's convinced, it'll go into the draft and go all the way through. And I think if I went and checked my email, I'd be more tempted to say I've gotten 10 drafts really you. yeah i mean that, okay that's more i don't know if it's that many i can go double check, digits but, <laughs> people. I, i'm just thinking more in terms of like what did i have to do i remember yeah. nate saying from the first draft uh piper needed to have more of a save the cat moment at the beginning yep. and like a little bit more of we yep. should see her wobbling so that well, when she finds like the her. baby we need to like it's her, not yeah. like this light yep. you know dark to light switch only Saul of tarsus gets that knocked off his donkey yep. and it's like all of a sudden god moment he's changed right but we could i didn't we couldn't do that in this book so i remember like you know making her more likable making a pass where i was like making it lighter taking yep. away some violence because learning Scraping what moms don't want their kids frosting. to yeah yep. yeah black fingernails I mean, and all that i think yeah. i think that the the thing that's important here too everybody who actually wants to be a writer who's listening i know a lot of people who are listening are consumers and they're interested in the final product mm-hmm but getting something all the way to the point where it feels easy, where it feels quick is not easy at all. And it is not quick. So this is six years in the making mm -hmm. from that first day mm -hmm. till now. With and, lots of pauses, I should say. And hiatus. that's just so you know, that's fast. In the, in the industry. Really? That's quick. See, I just so, I hang around you too much where you're like, you wrote a novel yeah, and read another novel. The, so I'm like, I'm so When people slow. start working on a novel, mm -hmm. they begin working on a novel to publication six years later is like, okay, that's, that's not even that big a deal. Now, some, yeah, some people write their novel and they, they sell it on a pitch or whatever. They write the first draft, go through three drafts. It's published within two years. But that's kind of as fast as it gets, unless you're just self-publishing. So two years is kind of like lightning, mm -hmm. you know, in the in the publishing world. Getting it right and iterating the drafts and trying to find the right arrangement such that the flavors work, the pace works, the tone works, the mm -hmm. world works, the payoff works, and you don't have bitter aftertaste. You know, like trying to get it all aligned takes a minute. It takes. I feel it takes a lot a, better now. Yeah, it takes a long minute to do. Yeah, and it's really time doesn't matter. Mm -mm. But getting it right does matter. So right. you and don't, we say, don't get to, and I'll, I'll just say as, any, as an author, and on behalf of 
Gwen and everybody else, we don't get to reiterate once it's published. It's like, it's, this is what grandkids will see. Like this is generations later. This is the book that comes off yeah, the this shelf. This is the book. Yep. And all, however many drafts got emailed to Brian in the interim are just gone. Mm-hmm. And this is the book. This is the book. And maybe, yeah, you can edit corrections between printing. Cause there's always, always I found one pretty significant yeah, blooper. There's always a typo. There's always a mistake, no matter what. And I I've still found, just found a few in Harry Potter as I was reading out loud. And so yep. you're, you're in good company. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's yeah, there. There is no, there is no perfection, right? Mm-hmm. There's no perfection. You chase it and you try to get it developed and baked, and then you're going to have to serve it. But the amount of work you do on the recipe and everything in between matters a ton because it's actually the cheap work. Mm-hmm. So it's more expensive to have a book you're not proud of like for years and years and years of your life rather than um, you know, actually taking the time to, exactly. to grind. And you have, you have put the time in. And I'll add sub point. You've always had the ability to break bones and, th- and throw away things that you were in love with. It doesn't come easy. So every time, I'll, I'll just say, if you approach Gwen with an edit for her book, that is something that she loves. And everything in your book is something you love. Oh, yeah. Because it, ha- it, has, it has to be, right? Like yeah. it's, as you're I wrote putting it, it. In there, <laughs> it always presents that conversation, always begins like the Alamo. Oh yeah, like, this is, I'm this totally, is where, Davy Crockett going yeah, down swinging. This is where she's going to die. <laughs> and then the next day, it's totally different. She's like, okay, oh, yeah. she sat with the idea. She worked it through. Yeah. And if it, if it is I in fact- I mouthed off enough. Yeah, and if it is in fact better, it's immediately worked on and incorporated. And that's, that's probably some of the hardest work of being an author is putting six months into something or three months into something that nobody saw showing it to them and them saying, Hey, I've got an idea. How about you throw those three months away right? and do something else. And it really is like, keep, you have to keep the big picture in mind. Like, is this yeah. about you and yeah. what you loved doing? Or is this about making a book that other people will love? And it yeah. takes about two seconds to realize, wait, if the other person telling me this edit is right, I really do want to do it. And I typically was just like, you have like, prove it to me. I, yeah. I want to, I, I might want to believe you, but I need to be shown that that's better. Yep. And if I'm even 1% in the dark on hmm, not really convinced that I'll say better, the, the worst thing the worst thing I was I was recently talking to a buddy who was deep into an an investment on the project and everything's just well you reach certain points when things are going to publishers when things are just like they're done uh, that's it they're done. And in talking to him he was excited and was like thoughts, whatever. And I didn't realize, okay, so the, the concrete's kind of set. There's, there's a certain measure of like point of no return. And if you throw out some ideas that would have fundamentally like just <laughs> jolted, <laughs> jolted people, something people hate up a notch <laughs> and like the frustration. You can just see in like, their face. Yeah. It's yeah. too late. And yeah. the thing that the good news is this is it's still, it's good. It's right. good and it's coming, but there there are always things that we just have to let go of and be like, I could, yep. but I could have done this or that or the other thing. And you get one debut novel. This is your debut novel. You do. And the thing You've is, worked I have for other, a long time to get here. I have other books to write. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. come on, this is not. And they won't all take six years. Hopefully not. And just an encouraging note on that. It was not six years of nose to the grindstone on this one. There were frequent breaks where it was waiting for yeah. you, but then I joined the program and then yep. it was still waiting. Yep. Then it was like, great. It's good enough to send to Brian. And, and then it was waiting for him to read it. And getting then it, into the program. Yeah, there's all that stuff. Even a year ago, when I thought we were going to be publishing fairly soon, it's like you read it for the final time yep. and had just like changed this, this, this. And I was like, love it. That's a, like, I'm so glad I made those changes. It makes everything better. Um, trying to edit like the week before my wedding, that kind of deal. But it wasn't like constant yeah. work. And even even now, let's let's say that you had this brilliant idea, and we were somehow able to like pause. We're not nope. going to do that. Brian's shaking his head. But, I, but in terms like in terms happening. of the <laughs> in terms of the work, I would not think it a failure oh, that okay. I had to go back. I'd be like, absolutely, I love this story. Like, it needs I'll one go more back. chocolate chip. Yeah, um, let's go put it in. <laughs> Brian, what have have the books been ordered? They have. Yeah. So even now, Gwen, it's done. We now are, I have we, to realize it's so done. So basically, now we know that the books have been ordered. They're being printed. And now I say, right. so here's what I really think. <laughs> no, don't. I already found, the fortunately, point, the, when I was reading the audiobook, that we found not just a typo. I can handle a typo. We found 
a blooper, like an actual mistake. Oh, Gwen, and it was like the day before the final. Oh, it's, I know because it's part of the revision process. It's I'm not curious. always. People don't always notice this stuff. And I, I mean, I don't mind. I've got all the skeletons from typos <laughs> in my closet. I was just really fond of the skeleton because I was reading it out loud and I was like, he had no firearm on his on his belt. Gwen's there was a firearm. She and can't I'm like, stop herself. She, I, she, she I love it. I love it because it's a blooper. I just was, it was just so embarrassing that I want other people to feel, I don't know, encouraged that there will, there may be One bloopers of, uh, in their book. Well, I would like to say that there's officially, we've gone on the record on SASF. There is a blooper in this book. No, we we fixed it. That's why I'm telling you. Is there's that I was like, oh, can no. we? Uh-uh. We didn't. No, there's a blooper. She's fixed. Oh, it. I'm sure there is, but exactly. not that one. Exactly. <laughs> not that one. <laughs> there, is, there are some more bloopers, but it would take a keen eye to realize this one, and I'm not going to give it away. I'm going to see if a reader can find it. <laughs> but because this the, the the handgun one was taken away, nobody's going to find that one. Uh, I think part of editing Forbidden Child that was fun is walking a number of different tightropes. So I don't know how to describe that. It's more like spiders, I guess, because you don't. <laughs> Tetris. Um, yeah, Tetris, because you want to walk. Or twister, twister on tightropes, even better. Oh, wow. Yeah, because you want to walk that line between you wanted it, Piper to be, you wanted this to be a kid's story, not YA. We didn't want to go Margaret Atwood, Oryx and yeah. Crake on it. Similarly, you wanted to be able to talk about being in a dystopian society without having to tell boy with the striped pajamas level of, of child yeah. perspective. Yeah. Then, then you also wanted to, uh, you also wanted to have a fun world with, with also something that was focused very much on the people and that relationship between the main characters. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought it was really enjoyable to watch you try to shave and, and adjust and fit all those things into a parameter of a book that, you know, we're proud to, proud to be coming out a few weeks from now. That's yeah, it's fantastic. It's here. The day is here. Uh, and when, when's your, when's your real baby do? Uh, December 31st. So I'm yeah. six months, six months. Perfect. So, and I was like, okay, so, so you, you mentioned it's all very, lined up. very early on that this was the that Piper, the main character was like an outworking yeah. of my own demons. And like, I did not set out to do that, but I think it was inevitable. The things I was working through, um, in my life, you know, I, I did write a girl that I was like, guess what? I relate to her. I didn't write yeah. somebody I don't relate to. I wrote a bad guy that I relate to, which is even scarier. So like working through somebody who is very rules based, who needs to be okay with having her illusions shattered about the people that she thought she loved, like all sorts of stuff would turn out to be scarily autobiographical. And the thing is, I would start writing about it and then you would give me an edit and I would make that edit. And then that would come true in my in real life. And then I'd be like, oh, now I know how to write it better because I've I've gotten past that thing that I'm trying to get Piper through. Does that make sense? Yep. Like it's like I yeah, I was doing a bad job making her well-rounded in a certain area it's because I hadn't gone through that particular revolution myself yet. And so towards the end, one of your last suggestions was to throw in just something at the end. It's like and, add a baby right? to the story. No, no, no. No, the baby was always there. But you did say add something to the end. And it was like, I should have known. I'm about to get married. Of course, there'd be that little, yeah, yeah, just yeah. a little bit of a hint of... There's a, there might be, I don't know, I don't want to give too much away, but there's a little hint of that. And then there's a baby boy in the story. Of course, I'm having a baby boy. He was, you know, born around Christmas. And I'm like, please let my baby be born before Christmas. I don't want a January baby. (laughs) With a New Year's Eve due date, you're like, it, it could be. Yeah. I, Next I will year. say lots of jumping jacks with be this fun. book and especially the I've last been couple told chapters not to do those. <laughs> still doing burpees not jumping jacks. spicy food and all that yeah i guess <laughs> baby on board would be a good title for that but uh, <laughs> uh th- this one you really do want to make sure you finish it before christmas because that is going to be very satisfying for those who yes. read this book you want yes. you want to if you want to get this make well, sure if you, get it, if you get it anywhere near the release date You'll yeah, be done. You'll be, you're, you'll be done really, really yeah. quickly. And if you you're, will if want you're to turn on the it, Christmas music. If you're giving it to somebody for Christmas, then they'll be done by New Year's for sure. And that'll yes. be great. Yes. And I should say also, this is, this, I think, doesn't this take place over like four days? Four days. So this yeah. is fast. It's a this quick is fun. read. It is yeah, exciting. It goes. Yeah. And a lot of, I mean, that's Hunger Games and other things, things that mm. move. It's basically when you're telling a story that you're almost not missing any minutes, like minute by minute, there is stress and where I'm going to hide the baby and whatever. There's not like, and over the course of the week, she did this. It's like, no, it's, it's. Camera no, skipping maybe an the, hour. The tempo, at a time. the tempo is very real. She frequently even stays up all night, but she's like a lot of sleepless nights for poor Piper. So it's like <laughs> we're we're there with her. She doesn't even we yeah. don't even clock out for her to go to sleep. It's like nope, we're stuck in bed with her. She's having insomnia, dealing with this with panic. Yeah. <laughs> you had to get those extra hours in there. You yeah, you had the limited, the limited yeah. time frame. Use them all. Forbidden child, everybody. 
There it is. October, one more time. October 24th. This is an ARC, I should say. You'll get a nice hardback version with, with the jacket. jacket. And, and uh, no bloopers. Written by Gwenzapan Newell. And <laughs> it's nice also that you got married and debuted your novel under your married name. So you're not going to deal with- so thankful. You're not going to actually deal with what many people do. Yeah. Where, yeah, no, for, for years as I worked on this story, I was like, I really, I want to get married really soon because I'm sure this book will come out really soon. And uh, I was getting panicky with the guys not showing up. It's like, God, God didn't make the guy show up <laughs> this, any sooner. This, he just this delayed podcast the podcast just got real. <laughs> he just delayed the publication date the, yes. until the guy had shown up I much later than I thought he would. <laughs> as the agent of that delay. <laughs> You were just waiting for Ben Brian to show Cole up. Brian <laughs> Cole timed it perfectly. No, He's like, this you, needs to happen. We're going to try to sync this up with the birth of your first child. We want no, to publish you know, under your married name. You know who's proudest of my married name being on a book is my father-in-law because it's his name. And he really oh, feels like go. he's... I, I was, to I do was with gonna, this. well, he has obviously. He I has. was going to say your husband, and then I. <laughs> no, worked. I mean, my, I mean, yeah. he is proud, but like, you know, sure. the father in law pride, yeah. just like yeah. all Newell the Facebook out reshares. He feels yeah. my well, name. <laughs> he feels that you've contributed to the he, Newell family. Yes. Now. Well yes. done. You've contributed to the Newell family lore. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah. Newells are now writers. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. what it is. That's good. So, yeah, October 24th, get it, give it, enjoy it. Cannonballbooks.com is probably yeah. the easiest place to find it, but anywhere books are books, you can find it. Anywhere where books are books. And if you are local, come to the book release party October 24th. You can find the information on my Instagram page. Oh, yeah. You should follow Gwen Newell Author on Instagram. Yep. There you go. We've done it. Hurrah. Cheers. Peace out. Hope you enjoyed the episode of SASP. We enjoy having you all share your feedbacks and thoughts with us. Here I have for you the proofs of a new book. You might wonder why I don't have the book itself. Well, it hasn't arrived yet. I wanted to show you some of my favorite parts of Blah Blah Black Sheep. If you're in audio, of course, you're going to have to either uh, go to blahblahkids.com to check it out yourself or watch the video on Canon Plus. But here you can see the friendly grasshopper. Uh, not a super important character, but an, uh, he's on the title page anyway. <laughs> and then uh, the other page, here's the picture of Blah Blah Black Sheep singing the wrong song, Blah great stuff. And then the last two I wanted to show you, this great scene inspired by Tintin and Herjay. Blah Blah's uh, uh, wondering if he should become a pirate, sail the seas. Last picture I wanted to show you because you can't see all of them, you'll have to wait for the book. You don't get to see him running uh, with the wolves or him with the yetis. He saves the baby yeti. But you do get to see Blah Blah wondering if he should join a circus to become a fire breather or perhaps join a rodeo to bust Bronx. Anyways, this book is great. Please go to blahblahkids.com and check out the pre-order specials. Uh, some special bonuses there, along with getting your book signed by Nate and Forrest, and also being a part of making the show happen, Lord willing, and uh, many other cool things. So head to blahblahkids.com, get a copy for Under Your Tree.